visit us today and open up God's Word and share it with us today. Pastor Albin Castillo became a Christian while he was in college in 1990, and the Lord immediately gave him a heart of, of, of compassion for the lost and a calling in, for evangelism and community outreach. In 2000, just 10 years after becoming a Christian, Pastor Albin answered God's call to plant a new church Christian Community of Restoration in the poor neighborhood of Villa Duarte in Santo Domingo. Pastor Albin works tirelessly to fulfill the Lord's great commission to make our Savior known to, in all of the nations. And so it's my pleasure to introduce my good friend and my brother, Pastor Albin. Good morning, church. I bring greetings from my church in the Dominican Republic, from CCR. Uh, we love this church. We praise the Lord for the partnership between Webster and CCR. Um, Pastor Scott is one of my favorite preachers. <laughs> and... Uh, for 17 years, we have been dreaming uh, to build a retreat center. And praise God, last year we started uh, with the help uh, and ministry of Set in Motion in this church. We are really very thankful to the Lord uh, for the instruments he's using. And we give thanks to see what the Lord is doing. Uh, Caleb uh, said that we are preparing to go to heaven. And I have an advice for you this morning. Uh, in that regard, to be prepared, you need to start how to speak Spanish. Because <laughs> that's the language we are going to speak in heaven. <laughs> um, I'm also very happy for Cesar and Nancy. Cesar is like my son and for the new member of the family coming on the way. <laughs> I bless God for that. <laughs> um, I want to share the word of God with you all on uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 8, and later verses 17 through 20. Um, laborers wanted. That's uh, the theme. Laborers want it. And I want to read, first of all, uh, now, verse 17. Later, we will go through the other verses. Luke 10, uh, 17, it says, by the way, uh, some versions say uh, 70 and other uh, uh, 72. There is and, uh, some debate between, uh, among scholars, but I'm, I'm going to use the 20, uh, 70 uh, version. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. In this text, we see what we can call kind of a manual for evangelism. And uh, probably some of the readings are not necessarily 
uh, normative or formative, but narrative and informative. Uh, of course, um, the commandment of going, that's, that's imperative. That's in order. There is no choice. But what we see here is uh, a lot of principles, gu guidelines, and strategies for us to be more effective uh, uh, when, when we share uh, the word of God. And the model of the church uh, of the first years was kind of a church using like a uh, centrifugal force bringing from outside to the center, preparing there, and also a centripetal force going from the center to outside. And that's a model that we have to imitate. Uh, sometimes uh, we just uh, think of coming and, and worshiping, which is great, we, which is uh, a commandment. But also, we have to know that as a church, we are a centripetal force. We have from here to go outside. So, in this um, passage, we see the mission of the 70. In the last chapter, chapter 9, we saw the mission of the 12, which was more for uh, Jewish. This one is more for Gentiles, because they are... In, uh, in the land, in the territory of Transjordan, uh, which was uh, mainly uh, populated by Gentiles. And what we see there is that God's plan is for everybody. Genesis uh, 22:18 is God's purpose for the world. He says to Abraham, in your, in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. All the nations of the earth. And that's uh, what we see. God's plan is the redemption of the humanity. So verse 1 says, after these, the Lord appointed 70, 70 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to go. So the, ter the term appointed implies a formal uh, divine appointment. What we see there is that this is God's plan. He is the one who took the initiative. This is not an invention of the man. This is what is in God's heart going and sharing uh, the gospel, the word of God. This is God's uh, plan. So uh, it says two by two. Sending uh, the disciples in prayer probably reflects the necessity of two witnesses in capital offenses in Israel, Deuteronomy 17 and 19, the requirement of two witnesses to take or preserve human life may carry added significance uh, to the mission of the 70 uh, in, as it is a matter of life and death importance. What we do with the message, 
What we do with Christ will determine our eternal destiny. But also, going two by two speaks of fellowship and support and accountability. Because in God's kingdom, there is nothing like uh, long-ranger ministry. We need someone to be near. We need to be united. Uh, we, we need someone uh, to whom we can be accountable. And, and, and so, verse 2 says, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest refers to people who need to hear the good news and be gathered to God's presence. And here we see that there was an urgency. Uh, as the task, as the crops were ripe, it was necessary to go uh, at that time. But we can ask uh, this morning, on what does it depend that there are more laborers? Prayers. We have to pray. We have to ask God. First, to send laborers. And second, to send us as laborers. Because probably when we read that, we think of others. Praying, oh Lord, please send laborers uh, for that specific place or uh, people or or community. But we ourselves have to be included. To pray the Lord so that he can help me also be one of the laborers he's going to send uh, for to uh, his harvest. You see, the request was not to send philosophers or famous one or scientists, which is not bad if they are laborers too, but the petition was and the prayer is to send laborers, that is, to send servants. So we don't need like a list of job description or requirements to be one of the laborers. We just need to be willing to do God's work. And one more thing there is that it says, into his harvest, God is the owner of the harvest. He is the owner. And we have to go to him because he is the one who is in charge. Also, uh, we know that reaching others to a great extent depends on prayers. We need to take time to pray so that God prepare others so that God prepare, can prepare me. So why are uh, the laborers so few? 
because the law is saying. I have read uh, statistics about uh, church and, and uh, evangelism. And looks like around 20% of the members of a church are the only ones who get involved in ministries and uh, sharing the gospel. So I want you, please, to be honest and go before the Lord and see if you are sharing the gospel or if, to see if you are being instrument in God's hands and ask him to help you, to lead you uh, in this regard. So, dear brothers and sisters, there is no unemployment <clears throat> in Christian service. That's a good news. So I want to tell you this morning, <clears throat> if you have a job today, I want to remind you that you have a second job. If you don't have an employment, if you are unemployed, there is a good news for you. As of today, you have a new function. Labor to harvest. That's what he wants us to be. So today, you are all appointed as laborers of Jesus Christ. Verse 3. I'm, I'm checking the, the time. Uh, Pastor Scott told me just three hours. That I'm not going to go more than that. Verse 3, go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Looks like something is not right or good, since uh, from a uh, human uh, point of view. Because this is a graphic and violent simile, what we are seeing here. A lamb is not only weaker of the two antagonists, but also defenseless before a wolf. Dear brothers and sisters, we are not strong <clears throat> in ourselves. Our strength comes from the Lord, from God. And also it reminds us that we will not meet people with aggression, but with love and kindness. Also we see there that we are vulnerable, that we need to depend on God. So the 70 most embarked in mission, not only in danger, but also with calculated deficit. Because this implies also, as uh, sending as lambs, that the disciples should not attempt to gain converts by force. And uh, the spread of the gospel is to come through preaching the good news of Jesus Christ and inviting hearers to respond willingly. So Jesus' followers are not to dominate others, 
but to sacrifice, sacrifice themselves for the benefit of others. And in reality, this makes them and makes us vulnerable. But the good shepherd protects us. We have his protection in this dangerous world. I was reflecting, I was thinking while reading this text. Why didn't the Lord say he's sending us as lions in the midst of walls? He sends us as helpless lambs. And this is for us to learn to trust him, to depend on him, to have him in our lives everywhere. Mena was sent every day. And we can think, why was not monthly and they could stuck? Because our fallen nature is prone to forget his kindness, his generosity. So every day they needed to wait for Mena and to think of God. So we need to depend on God every day, to trust him every day. Verse 4 says, carry no money back, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. So this verse contains, this verse contains four prohibitions. The first prohibition may not forbid taking money for essentials, but it clearly forbids taking extra or excess money. And also, no sandals probably means not extra sandals, but of course one uh, for them uh, to wear. So Jesus' disciples were depending or had to depend on God and on the help of those to whom they were going to serve. Greet no one, says, on the road. Not greeting anyone on the road indicates the urgency of the mission. It was a prophetic mission representing God. It was not like nowadays we say hi, hello, good morning. It was not that. At that time, greeting was lengthy and time-consuming. That's why he says, do not greet anyone. Because this didn't mean to be antisocial but staying focused on the task that Jesus had given uh, to all of them. Don't get sidetracked. Don't stop. Don't get distracted. It is, it's a very important mission. Because distractions and attractions sometimes don't let us, sometimes don't let us focus and we miss the mark 
and we don't hit the target. So that's why we need to be very well focused on what the Lord wants us to do. Because if the Lord tells them to go after they are ready with provisions and clothing, probably he had to wait for a couple of months. He didn't send them to stack up. And they run the risk uh, of losing a lot of time. What we see is that this is a very urgent call. If we see someone who is bleeding and dying, there is no time to waste. There is no time to lose. Dear brothers and sisters, in this world, the humanity is dying without Jesus Christ. The humanity is bleeding. There is no time to lose for us to share what they need. Verse 5, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if any son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon him. And if not, he shall return to you. So God's peace means spiritual blessing and wholeness and the shalom of God. And son of peace, one who has found the peace that comes with salvation. So the mission of the 70 is not necessarily um, a mission to streets and marketplaces, but to homes. The instruction was to greet homes in peace, sit at table, eating and drinking what is offered by host, and not move from one place to another. It depicts a mission of relationships rather than programs. And to some extent, it teaches us that it is, it's a very important to connect with people, to make connection, to make re- relationships. We can talk to anyone everywhere, but connecting is key uh, when it comes to share the gospel and the word of God. So the ideal place to evangelize is the home, what we see here. And we should desire peace even when we don't know what kind of people, person, lives in that house. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Not only they were going to say, uh, peace be to this house, they were also bringing peace. We are light. We are the salt of this world. Through us, we can, uh, people can be blessed when we share, when we go 
the light of Christ can be in that place with that people. And when he says, do not go from house to house, probably means that because they were visiting different cities, not necessarily to remain in the house all the time, but to use that house as the center of operations. Sharing in that house, staying in that house, but from that house, going to other places in the community and, and coming to uh, the center of operations. And Paul used uh, this model, this strategy a lot to evangelize a city, a place, and stay or found a church or plant a church in a house. Last week, one of my professors at uh, Southwestern Baptist uh, Seminary told us that something that really was shocking, shocked me. He said, uh, because the gospel is growing in Cuba, he said, Fidel Castro was the great mobilizer. I said, what? And he said, he prohibited to get together in temples and allowed to get together in houses, but no, not more than 20 in a house. So he was growing all around uh, the island. And he says, the laborer deserves his wages. Those who minister for Jesus should receive compensation from those they serve. In verse 8, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Verse 9, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So, it should be borne in mind that the men that were sent to this mission, most of them at least, were Jewish. But they were, they were in a Gentile territory, Transjordan. And the Lord is telling them, eat what they bring to the table. You know that they were not used to it, everything. But what the Lord is saying looks like it's new for some of them. And what we learn from there is that we cannot put God into a box. Sometimes there are things we don't understand, but God knows. So he sent them and told them not to be picky with the food, to eat everything on the table. And Jesus has indicated the blessings that await the cities that receive his missionaries. The gospel will be proclaimed, and their inhabitants, inhabitants and their sick will be healed. We are called to be of blessing we are called to impact our world, our 
community, our family, our church, our surrounding. In verse 17, it says, The 70 returned with joy. Ideally, those who begin and commit themselves should also finish the work. And what was the effect of having fulfilled Jesus' command? Joy. Doing God's will brings joy. Sharing with others the good news brings joys, joy to our, to our lives and to our heart. Does that mean that we, we are not going to have obstacles and setbacks? Absolutely not. Acts 5, 40, 41 says, And they went out from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the, names, his, for the name of Christ, for his namesake. So, in Christ... Suffering are not incompatible with joy. Sometimes what really produces joy is suffering or obstacles. Because our God is a specialist in turning obstacles and difficulties and pain into joy. He knows how to do that. We don't as humans. But he knows how to bring good things out of bad things and out of bad experience. Saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They are careful to give the glory to God. In your name. Even demons were Subject to them. In verse 8. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. When we evangelize, we are laying siege to the enemy's territory. The church has power to snatch lives from the very gate of hell. God. The Lord has granted that power to the church. And the church is not the building. The church is you and me. To snatch lives from the gate of hell. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall, shall hurt you. So in what does the power of the enemy consist? First of all, we are aware that uh, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he is trying to um, be an obstacle. It says, lest Satan should gain any advantage over us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. This is not fiction. This is true. So how does every force of the enemy manifest? 
itself. First, through death, theft, and destruction, John 10.10. Second, by turning away from the faith, those who want to believe, Acts 13. Third, snatching the seed of the word from the hearts, Matthew 13. And fourth, and there are other, others, causing men to take his eyes off God and send them and set them on men on earthly things. Matthew 16. Nothing will harm you. Brothers and sisters, there is no possibility that anyone who walks who is walking in obedience and right and is right with God and will be harmed by the enemy unless God grants permission. Unless God grants permission. So this uh, didn't mean and, and doesn't mean that Jesus' followers should take dangerous chances. The point is that God protects his children. God protects his servants. And finally, verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So disciples should not rejoice in their spiritual power, but in the greatness of God who freely gives them salvation. And there is, that's a reason for us to be rejoicing every day. We have, we have come from death to life. We have to rejoice every day for that. So, to conclude, I want to give you a couple of applications. First, be intentional about praying for those who do not know Christ. When I say intentional, if you don't plan on that, you won't do it. We are starting a new year. And this is a good time for us to start doing things that probably we have not been doing. To write things in our agendas that please God. So write down names of friends, relatives, neighbors who don't know uh, God, Christ, and start to pray. Uh, for them. Second, share the good news with someone at least once a week. We find and we talk to many people during the week. Many of them don't know Christ. Share the gospel. Share the good news. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be an expert in Bible. You, as the gathering, just have to say what the Lord has done in your life. 
what he's doing in your life. That's a good way to share. And third, ask God to give you boldness, wisdom, and opportunities to testify of Christ. He will. To give you boldness, wisdom, and opportunities to testify of Christ. You can be sure that he will give you opportunities and the boldness for you to share and the wisdom for you to be uh, impactful or relevant. The reality is that, spiritually talking, during the year we eat well. And, and this church in particular, uh, uh, the messages are great in teaching. And our churches eat, spiritually talking, a lot, good food. But we have to burn calories. Not just eating during all the year. We have to exercise our gifts and talents. And we have to go out and share with others. And that is a good way to burn spiritual calories and to obey God. Nowadays, mission is, before 20, 30 years, was like from one side to just some specific places. But nowadays, mission is from anywhere to everywhere. From anywhere to everywhere. So everywhere you are, you can be a missionary. May the Lord help us accomplish his commandments. May the Lord help us be instruments in his hands for the extension of his kingdom and for the glory of his name. God bless you this morning.